thank you for this day. Thank you for this. Uh, 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 thank you for the rain, Lord. Thank you for the rain. We love it. We love it. We love it, especially when we're in our home. <laughs> we're not out driving around in it. Thank you for it, oh God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that's poured out each day in this place. And Lord, we just say, God, be glorified in our midst. Lord, give us the understanding of, of what your word has for us this morning. We, uh, we, we confess we're a little thick-headed, Lord, and not, not that you don't already know that. We're a little stubborn, and we, we come in with, um, with our own agendas and our own issues and, and baggage even, and we all have it. And, and then we come to a place like this, and, and we, we hear some songs, and we, 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 maybe we enter in, or maybe we just just kind of struggling to enter in and to maybe we even know the songs but we're just not feeling like singing. Lord, you know our hearts, and I pray that you would receive just the faintest um, expression of worship uh, this morning from this place, from the hearts of your people. God, that your word would um, speak to us. Uh, we want to hear it, Lord. We're here. Might as well listen, right? We want to hear it. Holy Spirit, we depend on you to give us the interpretation of what this word speaks. Lord, give us a word. Give us one word, one, even one, and we look forward to it now. And we thank you in advance for what you will say and what you will speak. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Would you give someone a high five and have a seat, please? <clears throat> it was um, many years ago that... Um, uh, we had a, a group of young men from the from the Sudan, and actually they weren't living in the Sudan. They were in a refugee camp in, in Kenya. And you may have heard of them. Their story has been well documented called the Lost Boys. And uh, it was just a, a thing that God did where these this, gr- this group of men, there were probably about 12 of them that uh, got off the plane, uh, having never been uh, to America, heard all about it. Um, imagine them, uh, if you would, uh, you, you've, you're, in, you're living in a war-torn country. All right, um, where there is a a, a military uh, radical Islamic regime that is trying to Islamicize your land and take your land, and you're the indigenous people of that land. Uh, you're not the foreigner; they are. Uh, you, your people have been in that land for generations, and and as a result of this, um, what what Colonel Powell called genocide that took place. Many of these young boys uh, ended up wandering in the wilderness uh, for hundreds and hundreds of miles, seeking shelter. And as they began to wander, one would join another and then more, and pretty soon there were literally thousands of them trekking through the wilderness, uh, living, surviving any way that they could. And so they end up in, after a couple of different stops, they end up in a refugee camp in, in a place called Kakuma, Africa, and every day, uh, there's a list of, of, of mostly boys. Uh, we call them the lost boys. That's what they were called when, it, when, it, when the media sort of found out what was going on. But every day, there's a list of names uh, of, of boys that, that would, would be leaving Africa and going to America. This was prior to 9-11 when uh, uh, the doors were swung wide open for refugees to come in. And there were all kinds of programs and all kinds of things to bring them in. And so imagine if you would. I mean, you, you've got nothing. You're surviving on a bowl of rice a day. That's it. And that's if you get it. 
Okay, but that's cool because you survived the wilderness where there was no food. <laughs> I mean, you had to do the best that you did, you could to survive. But now you have a bowl of rice a day probably, and, and then you have hope. You have hope in a place, a place that you've heard about only because people have talked about it. There's no Internet access in a refugee camp, but you've heard about it, and, and maybe you've heard some stories that aren't good, but you're excited because you know that you're... Your, your livelihood depends on you getting to this land, okay? Uh, uh, you know that if you can get there, because you've heard that if you work really, really hard, you can make something, and you can own something, and, and you, can, you, can, you won't have to uh, you, you flee uh, from uh, persecution. You won't have to flee from uh, religious persecution. You can practice whatever religion you want. You can practice your faith openly, and you don't have to worry about things that, that you can begin a brand new life. And, and it's all contingent upon you changing locations. It, it getting out of that refugee camp and getting to America. We were privileged, uh, and it was just a work that God did, to be at the airport when these men got off the plane. Uh, there are like about 10 of them or so. And, and I mean, all they had was a, was a sweatshirt, a pair of pants, a pair of Converse, and a bag. With some, with some meager, meager, that's it. And they had a, uh, at that time, Catholic Relief Charities was taking in refugees. And we were right there alongside of them, uh, helping them to acclimate to life in America. I mean, because, okay, first of all, some of these boys had never even seen ice. Think about it. What is, ice cream. Ooh. Uh, uh, a moving escalator or an elevator. Oh, what is that? Right? Uh, uh, different kinds of food that you're not used to. Uh, we invited them over to um, one Easter. We invited them over to, to the, uh, uh, actually Wayne and Shirley's house, my mother and father in love. We invited them over to their house for an Easter dinner. And, and, and boy, that, I promise you, that spread was more food than they ate in six months. And they saw that, and they're tasting. I said, now listen now, you can't taste everything. Just go, go easy. Go easy. Okay? And then there was, there was this, this strange piece of meat that they saw. And they said, and they call me Abuna, which in Arabic, because they speak their native Dinka language. They speak English, and they speak um, uh, uh, Arabic as well. And that's a part of the Islamic influence. Um, and they said, Abuna. Uh, what is this? What does this meet? And I said, oh, I said, okay, that's called pork. <laughs> I said, now, now, you know, don't take much of it, okay? Just, just, just get a little bite and see if you like it. And they're like, hmm, and, 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 and one of them, you know, took, took, took a piece, Santino, his name, took a piece and, and, and chewed on it. And he looked at me and says, we don't like that. I said, don't, no, don't bother with it, man. Don't even, don't even start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I was privileged to be at the, the citizenship ceremony where, where he was sworn in. And they asked him to speak. I mean, here's a kid from nothing, if you would, who, who's, who's an American citizen and standing up and, and, and proud. And see, now he can go back to the Sudan. And now southern Sudan is, is, an, is their own nation. Finally, they have their own independence, right? Uh, but, but, but even before that, he could go back to Sudan 
not just as a Sudanese, but as an American. As an American. With all the rights and all the privileges of, you know, all of the hassle maybe in trying to get out of Sudan, excuse me, I am Sudanese, but I am an American citizen. <laughs> I'm going in the short line. <laughs> So Jesus preaches a sermon that is an amazing sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I have to tell you, I really struggled with, with the message. You know, you know, these things don't come easy. Uh, sometimes they do, and it's praise the Lord when they do. But sometimes you really have to wrestle. You really have to. You know what? And, and I, I have to tell you that, you know what, there are times that I come up here and I am not, you know, you might think, Oh, man, you know, he's got this. There are times I come up here and I, I'm not quite sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is the word that God has. Uh, well, well, then why are you speaking it? Well, you know what? It's, it's on my heart, and I feel like this is what God has, and God speaks many different ways. And so, man, I wrestled with this. I did. I mean, I wrestled probably more so than I ever have before. And I'm not sure why, but maybe because there's things we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks that we all need to hear. So, so I want to encourage you during this series on the Sermon on the Mount that, that you get here or you can even go online to livinggrace.net and listen because I believe this is something that God wants to speak to all of us. Okay? So the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ, the declaration of his kingdom. Fourth uh, of July we celebrated uh, our um, independence, if you would, the signing of the declaration of, of our independence. and. And, and Jesus is going to give on the Sermon on the Mount the characteristics of a citizen in his kingdom. Just like uh, uh, my friend Santino had to, had, to, had to swear allegiance to the principles of, of this kingdom willingly. Uh, so Jesus says, there are principles in my kingdom that you, nif- that you uh, uh, need, need to live by. And so the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 Speaking of the kingdom, it says, Now in those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not here yet, but it's, it's at hand. And, and the meaning is that, you know what? Jesus is coming, and with him comes a kingdom. Luke chapter 2, verse 42 and 43 says, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Why was Jesus sent? To preach the kingdom of God and to explain what that meant. Now, the kingdom of God wasn't just a New Testament principle. Uh, It shows up uh, all over the Old Testament. Uh, The psalmist declares this in Psalm 103, 19, The Lord has established his thrones in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. You read these types of things in the Old, King, in the Old Testament. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. And so in the Psalms, even, there are what we call the, the enthronement Psalms. And they give us a little bit of a visual of what Jesus was speaking about regarding the kingdom. In fact, scholars believe that this collection of Psalms, uh, Psalm 47, 93, 96, 
97, 98, 99, so Psalm 47, 93, and 96 through 99, they believed that, that the Jews would periodically read that to remind them that God was the king of kings and the ruler of all nations, the ruler of the universe. And so there's this repeated declaration of the Lord is king. And that involves, interestingly, it sort of spills out in praise and worship uh, to all of creation. And you read things like the roar of the sea or the, the clapping of the floods. And, and we had some serious clapping going on last night. I don't know about your neighborhood, but it was coming down where we live. It was coming down. The, the trees of the forest are involved. And it says, the earth and all within it rejoices, for God's kingdom extends over creation. And so the Psalms celebrate the fact that God is king, and they also anticipate in the readings of that that he will become a king uh, in the sense of, of manifesting his kingship, kingship right where we live. Okay? And so that's the expectation of the Old Testament. Okay? And so by the time Jesus comes, you know, there, there is... Uh, uh, a, a feverish pitch awaiting the anointed one, the Messiah, who will bring, usher in the kingdom of God and remove us from the yoke of slavery on the Romans and will once again be the great nation that we were under King David and King Solomon. And so, the kingdom of God is not a political term. Okay? You might even write that down. It is... It has nothing to do with earthly politics. Uh, but in the Jewish perspective, it had a lot to do with where they lived, and there were political implications. Okay, Because here's the thing. If God is king, then Caesar is not. Neither is King Herod. Jesus points out that the kingdom is not coming with things that can be observed, uh, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, in Luke 17:20. Instead, he says, the kingdom of God is in your midst or within your grasp. The kingdom is kind of mysteriously present throughout the ministry of Jesus, but it's in contrast to the arrival of a heavenly army that will institute this, this kingdom. When Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this world, the contrast is that of a militant revolutionary, military leader that would create an uprising. Jesus' followers would be fighting to keep him from being handed over to the Jews if that were the case. But that wasn't the case. You understand, and I say this all the time, that Jesus never came to establish a Christian nation. Never. Our nation was founded on Christian principles, and we've had the su success that we've had because of uh, the sacrifice uh, to create this land, this experiment in democracy, uh, uh, our constitution, we understand that, that this was founded on biblical principles, but, but, but he never came to establish a Christian nation. He didn't come to establish a nation with borders that you could walk into the nation and be in, and then you could walk out of, like, and then you're not in, in, the, in, that, in that kind of sense. See, this is a kingdom where you, you, you don't join it by, by natural birth, but by new birth. Uh, it's something that needs to be entered into. But it's not like if I say, if you'll just go down the road uh, about 100 miles, hang a left, you'll be in the kingdom of God. That's not how you enter into the kingdom. 
Jesus said in John 3, 3, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. So there's a spiritual application. Luke 22, 29 through 30, And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and that you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Four times the kingdom is pictured as something that is inherited. The kingdom of heaven is a, is a secret that's revealed. It's, it's heralded as good news, much like a king would, would come into a land and, and herald his, his good news, maybe even after a victory. And once a, a person has entered the kingdom, it's something that they possess, as we'll see in the Beatitudes. And that the kingdom is something that is called yours, or it's theirs, or, or it's ours. And so you might want to write these things down if you're a citizen of this kingdom. And if not, you ought to consider your citizenship. And we'll get to that a little bit later. The members of the kingdom... The scripture tells us they seek it first. They seek it first. You know, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So members of the kingdom seek it first. Not only that, they preach it. Acts 8, 11, and 12. But when they believe Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women alike. So they seek it first, they preach it, and then they pray for it. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to park there for just a second because I'm a context kind of guy. I have to get the whole context. That's just me. You know, if you're explaining something to me and you start throwing out numbers, dates, figures, I'm like, stop. I have... I have got to write this down so that I can follow the trail from beginning to end. Now, I, I, I felt like I wanted to get right into the Lord's Prayer, you know, dovetailing off of what we did last week out of, as we ended Ephesians and, and talk more about prayer. But, but, but really, uh, uh, it, how can we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, if we don't really know what that means? <laughs> and so because I'm a context guy, I back it up. And I think, well, that's just, I just can't do that. Let's, let's back it up. To, well, okay, let's back it up. And here we are with, with a series on the Sermon on the Mount. So we get, by the time we get to the prayer that Jesus says, this is how you ought to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Oh, we're going to know what that means. We're going to be like, yes, yes, Lord. We know what that means, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we seek it first, we, we preach it, we pray for it, and we work in it. Aristarchus, Paul says in Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas, Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. So Jesus was a very common name in the day. Don't get confused by that. Okay. What? I thought Jesus was already, like, risen. Okay, yeah. Uh, there are only... Uh, they are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God uh, who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. And, and so not only that, it, we, we suffer tribulation for it. Oh, we, we suffer tribulation for it. 
Acts 14.21 says, And after they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Many trials and many, many tribulations. And so what is the kingdom of God now? That, that gives you a little bit of a framework. But, but what, what beyond that, uh, what is it? Well, first of all, it's spiritual. Okay? And so Romans 14, 16 through 17, giving you a lot of scriptures, but you, know, you can write these things down. Romans 14, 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let what is uh, for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's spiritual. The kingdom of God is, is eternal. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11 says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. It's, it's eternal. Here's a couple of keys. Entrance into the kingdom is contingent, mandatory. This has to happen, a dynamic, personal relationship with the king of the kingdom. That's Jesus. Okay, you don't get in the kingdom if you don't have a personal relationship with the king of the kingdom, and that's Jesus. My friend, uh, Santino, he was allowed to enter into the kingdom of the United States of America and does not know the king personally. But this kingdom, you must know the king. Or, or you, you can't get in. It's, and that's a result of, a, of, a, of the moving of the Holy Spirit in your heart that brings you to a place of revelation to who Christ is and, 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 and an acknowledgement of who he is and an acceptance of, of his kingship. So the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, used interchangeably, is something that we live in right now. I hope you understand that you are a citizen of the kingdom right now. And it's something that we will live in in the future as well. So not only do you get a passport right now that says that you are a member of the kingdom of God, but also there comes a time when you will live in the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, when you'll be with him face to face, as Paul the Apostle says. And so this is my definition of the kingdom of God. That presently existing spiritual community of which Christ is the head and which is composed of those whose hearts and lives are subject to him as sovereign Lord. That's the kingdom of God. Let me read it again. That present existing spiritual community of which Christ is the head and which is composed of those whose hearts and lives are subject to him as sovereign Lord. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Are you in the kingdom? Are you a citizen of the kingdom of God? And if you're not, hopefully by the end of our time, maybe you will be. So, Matthew chapter 5. That's my introduction. <laughs> Woo. I don't know about you, but I'm out of breath. Wow. Wow, that is, that is so cool. Man. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 is directed towards the disciples. But by the time we get to the end of chapter 7, uh, the crowd will be amazed. So we start with the Beatitudes or, or, 
or the blessings. These are the characteristics of the one who is a citizen of the kingdom of God. If someone says, um, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they don't exhibit any of these attributes, you have to question whether they know the king. You've met someone like that. You've explained to them what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And they go, oh, I know Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, I'm not trying to judge, but how come there's like no evidence of that, right? I mean, I mean, my Sudanese friend could say, I am a citizen of the United States of America. And if you don't believe it, here, he can show me a passport. Well, how do we exhibit the fact that we belong to the kingdom? Well, you judge a tree by its fruit. And, and, you know, and we are called to be fruit inspectors. It's like, well, that brother says that he's a follower. She says that she's a Christian, but man, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to judge, but I, I don't know. Just based on her language, based on, on the way he lives his life, I, I don't see the fruit of that. Okay. And then on the other hand, if someone says, yeah, you know what, I've, I, I've got all them down. The, yeah, the Beatitudes, got it. Well, you have to question their integrity <laughs> because we're striving towards that kind of perfection, but we're not there yet. But there ought to be evidence of these things, right? There ought to be some evidence of a changed life. If, if there's no change, if there's nothing different about you, then what, maybe you don't know the king. You know, just... just, just just a thought. Maybe you don't know the king. If, in fact, you need to know the king to get in the kingdom. You know, you can ask, how did you come into the kingdom of God? That would be an appropriate question to ask someone. How did you come into this kingdom of God? Well, I went to church. Okay. Okay, well, I was baptized. Okay, that's not the appropriate answer. Well, my grandmama uh, was, a, was a deaconess at the church. My great-granddaddy was a pastor. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. He went, and when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountains, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Woo! <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> we just talked about the kingdom of God, so we know what that means. Yeah, you're, you're a Jewish person and you're, 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 you're listening to Jesus speak and, and he equates the kingdom of, 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 of heaven with those who are poor in spirit. Woo! Right off, first of all. Okay, let's go from there. Verse, um, uh, verse 4. Thank you, brother. Uh, blessed are the poor... Wait, wait, okay, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those uh, who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are... You, when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, let's break it down. Blessed. Are you blessed today? 
blessed. It means happy, joyful, but not in the sense of, oh, we're going to Disneyland. I'm so blessed. I'm so happy. Not, not like circumstantially kind of or because you're you know, going on vacation to Hawaii or something, although you would be truly blessed to go to Hawaii right now anytime. I call my friend Jay all the time and we talk. And I go, how's the weather, man? And I, I just ask it because I just, I, just, I just like to beat myself. And I go, how's the weather, man? He goes, hmm, 85, cool breeze, the same. I go, you know what? I hate you. <laughs> I don't even know why I bother with you. He goes, yeah, yeah, trade winds, pretty cool. Yeah, thanks, bro. Any rain today? Eh, a little bit in the morning, that's it. Yeah, 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 okay, move on. He never asked me how's the weather there. He never asked that. He lives here long enough to know, hot and dry. Unless, of course, we get a little bit of rain. Happy. In the truest sense of the word. How, how, how far will we go to, to, to be happy? I mean, to have joy in our heart. How, how, to what extent will people go to have happiness? Boy, spend a lot of money to be happy. Boy, some people might travel the world to be happy. Some people believe if I could just meet the right person, then I'll be happy. And let me just say, if you're not happy without the right person, you ain't going to be happy with the right person. There's only one person that can make you truly happy, and that's the Lord. If you ain't satisfied single, you're not going to be satisfied married. I promise you that. I promise you that. Because it can't, I've often said, don't, don't depend on another person to do what not even God could do, and that's make everybody happy. Oh, he could, but he chooses not to. Happy. The Amplified Bible says, blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of the outward conditions. I love that. That's what it means to be blessed. Happy, envied, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. That's deep within. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The humble, those who, Amplified Bible says, rate themselves as insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It has nothing to do with value or self-worth. But it's before a, a holy, righteous God coming to the place where you recognize you really have nothing to offer Him. Uh, you, you become less and He becomes more. Uh, uh, that there's nothing really good in you. Uh, although we might do some good things every now and then, but lo- most of the time it's with some agenda, right? It's the recognition that we're spiritually bankrupt before a holy, almighty, creator of all things God. The word for poor in spirit, poor, is, is used of, of like, it's specifically like real poverty. Think third world poverty. Okay? Um, you would agree with me, there's a difference between third world poverty and American poverty. I mean, American poverty is still poor, but, but third world poverty, there's, there's, no, there's no way out. There's, there's no open door. Even if you worked hard or tried, you could, I mean, uh, uh, that's, that's, a desperate, that's a desperate situation. And that's what the Lord is getting at. It's severe. And, and, and note, this is in response to the Holy Spirit working through your heart, not some sort of religious exercise to appear to be sp- a poor in spirit. Well, I'll just sell, sell everything I have, and then I'll go live in seclusion in the monastery, and then I'll be poor in spirit. No, that's, that's not it. 
No, no, it's, I mean, if you do that, I mean, that's okay, but, but that's, that's not going to earn you points with God necessarily, as we'll see as we, we get into this. Uh, turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Luke chapter 18, verse 9, a story you might be familiar with of a tax collector and a, a Pharisee. Now, you know, tax collectors were despised people. They were like low life, considered that anyway, because they were, uh, they were taking from the people and they were extorting from the people. They had a percentage that they had to get for the Roman government, but they were free to take whatever they want over and above that. And so they hated them. So Jesus gives this parable, and he says in Luke 18, 9, Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10, two men went up from the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. It's good that the tax collector is going to the temple to pray. That's a good thing. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with, it, with, with himself or within himself. Right? He's not going to let anybody else hear this. But he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Oh, man. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself uh, will be exalted. Wow. Powerful. That's the... That's the economy of the kingdom. But by the way, this goes against pop culture. This goes, this goes against the American dream. and This goes against uh, 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 what, what, what they're going to teach you in school or in college. And you're not going to have a class on humility in college. You're not going to have that. And even if you did, people wouldn't take it. Why would I want to be humble? I don't care if it is three credits. I don't want to be humble. Like if you go to that class, you're weak. Ah, the result, they are so spiritually poor, they can't beg, borrow, or do anything to get that which is, which is the reward. And the reward is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they recognize that. And, and, and the Lord says, you'll be blessed when you recognize the bankruptcy of your own soul, your own spirit. Uh, well, we'll see that this, uh, these beatitudes are our pathway to salvation because this is the first thing. And this, is, this has to happen for you. You have to recognize you're not all that. I mean, you're a great person, and you know, you're, maybe you've you got a lot of friends, and you're popular. Okay, great. But before God, without Christ, you've got nothing. You have nothing to offer God. Well, you know, if I were a Christian, I think God could really use me. No, you're not. You're too prideful. He couldn't use you because you don't recognize the bankruptcy or the poorness of your own spirit. Ah, that's the first step. And the payoff is huge. It's huge because those who recognize that, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can't buy that. You can't sneak into that. There's no other way. Listen, if I recognize my own wretchedness before God, the payoff is the kingdom of heaven. Woo. And that leads to mourning. <laughs> You recognized who you truly were before Christ, and you mourned over. You said, oh, wretched man that I, Lord, help me. God, I, did, I had no idea I was that bad. 
Man, I'm horrible. Yeah, it's okay. And you, that leads to mourning. And that's not a light thing. It's a recognition of great sin before a holy God followed by deep sorrow and, and, and conviction over that spiritual condition. And the result is those who mourn will be comforted from above. Isaiah 61, speaking of the mission of the Messiah, it says in verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. From above. And so you recognize your spiritual account before God. You, you mourn over it. And the result is gentleness or meekness. Gentleness. How's that for a college course? Gentleness 101. Are you kidding? That's sort of like a lost virtue. You know, don't be gentle. You got to be strong. Don't let anybody take you. Come on, man. You can't let that happen. Right? Well, gentleness. Does that mean a weakness? Does that mean you just like, boom, just get pushed over all the time? No. See, that, that, that word gentleness or meekness, it means strength under control. Ah, well, that's different. See, see where we live, there's, there's, a, there's a place that has Clydesdales. I mean, like straight, they got like 10 of them. And, and they do shows and tricks and, you know, they, they, they hook them up together like, like, and they ride on top of them, you know. And they, once a month over at the neighborhood, they do a show. And next time they're having one, I'll let you know. You can all come over, you know, and over to their house and watch the, watch the show. And it's pretty cool. It's free, too. That's the best part of it. And, 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 and you know, me and the kids, we're on the fence, and, and, and they have this big, you know, like dirt area. And, man, you know, I'm not a horse person, okay? I mean, I didn't grow up around horses or anything like that. But, but, but let me tell you, these dudes are bad. They're beasts. And, and when, they, when they run, it's like there's kind of like a thunder. Like, and they take them, and they've got like two and four of them hooked together. And they're standing on top of them doing flips and all kinds of crazy stuff. And they go around, and then they come over where we are. And it's like, I'm like, look, I'm like, ooh, back up, kids, back up. I mean, because if one of those things just went, what, man? Boom, you'd be like, oh, you'd be flying in the next week. I mean, these things are serious. And as big and strong and as powerful as they are, they're under control. They're, they're gentle. They're meek. Now, I'm not going to ride one of those beasts, but, but, but they're meek. They have one, one thing where, they, where they, 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 they do this command, and the horse will, will lay down on its side. Oh, I'm like, whoa, that's got to be good. That's got to be like a real gentle horse right there, you know. And it's the wife who makes you know, and she's and this, you know, she's not a big, powerful, strong. Her husband is, but she, and she does her command, and bend down it go. I'm like, ooh, see, see, that's the idea. Get it? That's that's different. Um, it's the willingness to work under authority. You see, naturally, you might be rude, obnoxious, volatile, have fits of anger. But when you come into a new citizenship and you come into a, a new kingdom, then that, that, that begins to change by the Spirit of God. And hey, we're talking about people who might be meek or gentle, uh, but for the cause of Christ, they become a lion. I mean, they become a Clydesdale. Oh, hey, hold on. There's injustice right there. Oh, no, no. Wait a second. You're kind of meek and mild-mannered. You're like going off. Yeah, that's right. 
No, no, no. I stand for the kingdom. And when I need to stand, I stand. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other kind. And the result of that is they will inherit the earth. The meek. Not the strong, not the powerful, not the one with the military control. No, the meek. Wow. The gentle will inherit the earth. Boy, did Nazism get it wrong. And communism and socialism. Well, they, didn't they get that wrong? By power, you, you inherit things. That's not what Jesus says. You want to win a nation? You win it by meekness. You want to win a husband or win a wife? You win it by gentleness and humility. You want to win your children? You win it by a win them by by having a servant's heart. Wow, that's different. Woo. The result of that of being poor in spirit is you begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You've recognized your poor in spirit. You've, you've mourned over it. There's a change happening where, where there's, a, there's a humility and a gentleness. And, 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 then, and, then, and then you begin to, to, to desire something from, more from God. And that is uh, uh, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Complete righteousness, not just enough to get by, to appease a guilty conscience. A, a, a deep-seated righteousness and understanding of that. Somebody was introducing me on the streets the other day, just yesterday, a guy that I met in some people group that I try to minister to, and he was introducing me to Kareem. I say, hey, man, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, he says, yeah, this, this man here, He's an ex-rebel. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not an ex-anything. I'm a former rebel. The only ex-thing I am is an ex-sinner. I go, that's my position. And I'm working on it in my practice. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit, to get my position to match my practice. And I said that because I know that these men believe by their good works, maybe they'll appease their God. My position was settled by Christ. Now I have to walk in it. And hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can't be satisfied any other way. That creates a hunger and a thirst. Now we've got to satisfy this. How? Righteousness. They hunger for the word of God. They hunger to see honesty and integrity and, and justice lived out in society. Interesting how the one who hungers for God's righteousness will be filled. You hunger for something else, you won't be filled. You hunger for something else, you won't be filled. So look at the payoff so far. We've gotten through the first four Beatitudes. First of all, the payoff is the kingdom of heaven. And then those who mourn will be comforted. Boy, don't we need comfort. And then those who are meek and gentle will inherit the earth. And then those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount, the Beatitudes. You want to be filled? 
You want to be satisfied? You know what? There's a scripture that we'll get to. And it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God (laughs) and his righteousness. And what's the rest of it say? All these things, everything else will be added to you. Boy, if we could just do that. What are you about, man? I'm about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what I'm all about. What are you living for? I'm living for the kingdom of God, for the king who is the king of the kingdom. I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know what? And everything else, every, everything else will be added. Everything else will be added. We have scratched the surface. We got a ways to go, but praise the Lord, we got time, right? <laughs> Today, speaking of the kingdom of God, we have a missions offering that we're going to take. And Joshua, are you leading us in that, brother? Would you come on up, please? This is one of the ways you can seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and one of the ways that you can be used to expand the kingdom. Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that we have this amazing opportunity, God, uh, to partner with you to further your kingdom, Lord. Uh, that even though you are far more capable, <laughs> Lord, that you you left and you left us the Holy Spirit and you said, go, go and make disciples. And Lord, we pray that this morning as we take up uh, this offering, Lord, that you would just bless all those disciple-making uh, missionaries all around the world right now uh, that we're currently supporting. And Father, just pray that you would bless the work of their hands, Lord, that it would be for your glory and not for any um, person or organization, Father. We just thank you that they have given their time, they're sacrificing um, many things, Lord, to to go and do what you've called them to do. And Lord, we just pray that we would stand firmly behind them, Lord, support them, both through finances, but also through prayer and pastoral support um, and care, God. We just pray that we would uh, really be a disciple-making community, Father. We just thank you for this opportunity and pray a blessing on these these folks out there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.